Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 20 with Larry Heller. Today, we're going to talk about strategies to minimize income taxes on investments. Now, Larry, I know this is a big concern. So where do we begin? Well, Matt, you know, so many people spend so much time focusing on where they should invest their money. Should I be in the stock market? Should I be out of the stock market? Should I be in bonds? And then they decide to spend a lot of time focusing in, okay, which mutual fund should I pick? Which stock should I pick? However, they don't spend any time on how the money should be invested, and they're unaware of about certain strategies to minimize the taxes. So I thought today's podcast would be a great time to discuss many of these strategies that can save you thousands of dollars and put more money in your pocket after after taxes. Well, so, let's go ahead and jump in. Tell what, what's yeah. uh, What are some of these strategies? Okay, so so first, that's a little bit a little bit of background. You can really invest your money three different, you know, three different ways. So, which is the you know the best way for you to invest it? First, you can you know when you risk earn money, you can pay taxes on it, and you can invest your money after taxes. Second, before you you receive your money. You can invest your money in some taxable vehicles, such as a 401k plan, or if you're self-employed, a SEP or a profit-sharing plan, uh, or a defined benefit plan. And actually, it would be great to do a future podcast on the different types of retirement plans. But here, you're investing your money pre-tax, so you have more money growing for you compounding, and that money is growing for you tax-deferred. Third alternative is... You take your money and you pay your taxes on it, but you invest in a vehicle where the money is going to grow for you tax-free, such as a Roth 401k or an IRA. So you don't get deduction up front, but all the future earnings grow tax-free. And as long as you keep that in there five years, and there are some caveats, but when you take the money out, you won't pay any taxes when that, when you have to take the money out. So. Normally, if you're in any type of tax bracket, you're going to not want to do your after tax first. You're going to want to maximize what you can do in either a tax deductible strategy or an after tax with tax free income strategies. So let's really talk about what the differences, you know, some of the differences are in those. That sounds great. So, so in a tax deductible account, you, you're limited of putting away, if you do, let's say, a 401k, you're limited to 18500 and a 6000 you know, catch-up. But if you're on your own business, you can put away $55,000 in a defined contribution plan. And some defined benefit plans, you can put away 200000 or more. So think about all these type of accounts that you can put away large amounts of money that will grow for you tax, tax-free or tax-deferred. Then there is the the tax free, which we were talking about, which is the the Roth of the Roth IRA, where your money is going to grow for you tax free, but you didn't pay any, you, you pay taxes up front. So which is the best way and why? 
Well, a, a lot of it depends upon what tax bracket you're in. You know, after tax is always going to be least desirable because not only do you pay tax up front, so you lost some of the money, but you're also going to pay tax on your earnings. So just to clarify, if you're making $100,000 a year and you're in the 30% tax bracket, so you're only going to net $70,000. Uh, so if you were able to save all that, your $70,000 would grow. If you have able to put away $100,000 in a tax deductible account, now you got $30,000 more growing for you, compounding tax-free or tax-deferred. So which account should you, which, which one could you, should you do if the choice is between a tax deductible or a tax-free forever? In other words, are you better doing a regular IRA or a Roth IRA? Well, it really depends upon your tax bracket. If you're in a low tax bracket now and you think you're going to be a high tax bracket later on, you're better off doing a Roth. If you're in a high tax bracket now and a low tax bracket possibly later on, you're better off doing a tax deductible such as a 401k or a profit sharing plan. Also to keep in mind, the new law, a new tax law has really lowered the tax brackets for many and most individuals. However, there's a little caveat in there that in 2026, the tax law sunsets. So what does that mean? That means if there isn't another tax bill to extend it, it's going to go back to the original tax law that we had in place and everyone's tax brackets are gonna jump up in 2026. Who knows what's going to happen, but the rates aren't going lower than we are right now, highly unlikely, and there's a possibility rates are going to be higher down the road. So the first thing you really want to do is decide, okay, which is the proper investment strategy to, to be in? I can't tell you how many times people come and they don't take advantage of the max 401k or the Roth or Roth conversions, and they don't even know about those strategies, and they're just so focused in on the short-term tax market, um, stock market ups and downs, and not looking at what's the best vehicle tax-wise for them. So the first part is really deciding where to invest your money, and that is very critical. Now. Once you've kind of decided where to invest your money and where, where you are going to be. So let's say you, you maximize your tax deductible and you can no longer save through that vehicle. So now you're saving money outside the account after tax dollars because you have more money that you've saved. So now it's even more critical to focus on the taxes and to find ways of doing tax efficient investing. And what do I mean by tax-efficient investing? Well, most people these days invest in mutual funds, and they may or may not realize it, but the manager of the mutual fund is buying and selling stocks inside this fund. So if you go to a or invest in a mutual fund that is active and the manager is doing a lot of buying and selling, there's going to be capital gains that are going to be passed down to you. So we call this looking at the turnover. And you can actually look at the mutual funds and see what their turnover percentage is. 
And if you're looking at a mutual fund, you see a turnover percentage at 200%. That should be a red flag for you, knowing that this is an active manager who's buying and selling a lot. And therefore, the turnover is going to be high and the capital gains are going to be high. And guess what? You're going to pay more taxes. Better off to look at a low turnover, a passive or an index fund that doesn't do as much buying and selling and therefore is going to minimize your taxes. So first strategy, low turnover funds. Second up is to minimize the capital gains. And how do we do that? Uh, well, one of the ways of minimizing you know, capital gains or minimizing your dividends, I should say, is making sure that the dividends are what's called qualified. So let's take a step back. You own a mutual fund and the mutual fund owns ABC company in there uh, and ABC company pays, you know, pays dividends. So if this dividend can either be what's called ordinary dividends, which means you pay it your, your ordinary income bracket, which could be now the top bracket is 37%. But if the fund can now make this a qualified dividend, you would be taxed at the new capital gain tax rate, which could be as low as 0%, but the max would be 20%. 20% is a lot lower than 37%. So what makes a qualified dividend? How do you determine that? Well, to be a qualified dividend, you need to hold a common stock for 60 days during the 121-day period that, this, that starts 60 days before the ex-dividend date. So therefore, every stock has an ex-dividend date where they're going to pay out the dividend to all the stockholders. So if you go to a mutual fund and the mutual fund manager is cognizant about this and make sure that they hold the stock for those 60 days during the 121-day period, then these dividends are going to be qualified dividends. And again, you can look up these information and see the turnover. Sometimes you may not be able to find in a report, but you can, you can ask to see what, how much of these funds pay qualified dividends versus non-qualified dividends. And like I said, that could be as much as a 20% or more savings by having qualified dividends. So you want a fund that has a high qualified dividends in there. 100% would be great, but as much qualified dividends as those are the funds that you should use when you're investing with your after-tax money. The third tax-efficient investing strategy is what we call tax law identification. So when you buy a stock, when you buy a mutual fund, if you buy Apple, and you, the first time you bought Apple, it was a hundred. And then later on, you decided to buy more Apple and it was at 150. And now you've decided to sell. Well, most people use average cost basis and that goes for a mutual fund as well. So if you first bought it at a hundred and then you bought it at 150, your, your tax basis on an average cost method would be 125. So if you sold Apple for 200 and you use the average cost basis of 125, you would pay $75 per share in gains every time you when you sold. But if you use the tax lot identification, so now you're going to sell some of your Apple stock, 
you can go in and look at and pick the stock, the uh, the lots that you bought at $150. So if you're selling it at 200 instead of having an average cost basis of 125 your basis on that lot would be 150 Therefore, your gain would only be 50 So you're saving $25 per share on everything that you save. Now, this is not an easy strategy for a lot of people to do because it's very time consuming. And here at Hello Wealth Management, we actually have computer programs because this takes into consideration not only buys, but dividends being reinvesting. So you can have a lot of small lots when you're using mutual funds. So we use a very sophisticated computer program to really determine this. And again, this is going to save thousands of dollars over years, over years by deferring your taxes. And maybe you're deferring your taxes into a later years when you're when you're possibly in a, a lower tax bracket for capital gains. Or maybe you don't even sell the, the, the part of these positions. And when you pass away, you get a stepped up in basis to your heirs. So again, there's you know three different tax efficient type of ways of you know of, of investing that we look at. But that's not it. There are more strategies that you can use depending upon when you bought the the funds or the stocks, depending upon when you're taking money money out. And they're all fun to kind of to kind of look at. And to be I'm still surprised how many advisors don't take the time to look at these tax strategies and to help their clients. So let's look at uh, other strategies. Number one, we call tax loss harvesting. So you go and let's say you buy a Vanguard fund and you happen to buy the, the this fund, let's say a Vanguard total stock market index, and you bought it in the beginning of February. And guess what? February was not a good month. And so the fund went down. So now let's say you you bought this and you paid $20,000 for this fund and the fund went down to $10,000. So on paper, you have an unrealized loss of $10,000. Well, we all know the market goes through ups and downs. So if you hold it for the long term, history is showing it will recoup and you will make money over the long period of time. So if you do nothing over 10, 20 years, you'll still make your money back and more. However, one strategy that you can do, you can actually sell this fund, a Vanguard fund, and let's say you buy a very similar fund in another family at the same exact time. So now you've lost $10,000. You sell this fund. You book a loss. You buy the exact same fund at the same time. And then you wait 30 days. And why do you wait 30 days? There's, there's a wash sale rule, which I'll explain in a second. But let's say over the next 30 days, the market is flat. So now at the end of these 30 days, you sell the new fund you bought and you rebuy the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. So now what have you done? You have now booked a $10,000 tax loss. You're at the same position 30 days later. So now the market goes back up and now you're um, going in with the gains that you had. But at the end of the year, you did nothing. Your investment would be exactly the same. However, you now have a $10,000 tax loss. 
So in a 20% cap rain, you just save $2,000 on your taxes while you're able to use those losses against some other gains. Now, why do we buy another fund and wait 30 days? Well, because just in case the stock market had gone up in those 30 days and wiped out the losses, you can at least now sell the fund and go back into the original fund and net the gains against the losses. And you would it would be no harm, no foul, and you wouldn't be able to take any losses, but you at least would be, be right where you are just in case it went up in those 30 days. And the IRS says that if you do this, if you buy a, a, a stock uh, or a fund and you sell it and you rebuy it within 30 days, it disallows any of the losses. That's the wash sale, wash sale rule. So you have to be cognizant of that. And again, you know, there are different times. People invest at different times into their portfolios. So you should be watching and saying, okay, if, if one of my investments is down a lot, I should take advantage of the tax loss harvesting. So that's kind of, you know, the first strategy. The second one, and again, I think we did another podcast about this, um, is more about your distribution strategies. So now, lucky enough to have saved a lot of money and you, you're retired and you need to pull money out. So what account do I pull money out from? Remember before I... I spoke and I said, we have after-tax money, you have tax-deferred money where you haven't paid taxes on it, and you may have tax-free money from a Roth. Do I spend down my after-tax money first? Do I spend down my Roth first? Do I spend down my tax-deferred money? Now, a couple of caveats go into play. On your tax-deferred accounts, your IRAs, your 401ks, you have to pull money out at age 70 and a half. That's called your required minimum distribution. So the government forces you to take money out. And there's also the Social Security. When you take your Social Security comes into play here. So there's a lot of factors on here. But just for an example, let's say you're now 65 years old and you've decided to delay your Social Security 70 and you're not working. So you have no income. So a lot of people will pull down from their after-tax money first because they don't have to take the required minimum distribution until 70. So what is happening here? So for five years, they may be in a 0% bracket. So now we know the first bracket going forward is 10% and then there's a 12% bracket. So one of the strategies is you may want to pull money out of your IRA and your 401k during those five years and only pay 12% in taxes. Because at age 70 now, with your acquired minimum distribution and your social security, that may kick you up into the 24 or 32% bracket. So accounts have a hard time sometimes understanding this because they want to defer taxes, defer taxes, defer taxes. But we want to look and see, should we pull money out of your account at a 12% tax bracket rather than later at a 24 or 32? The other interesting part is if you pull money out of your IRA earlier, now the pot hasn't grown as much when you're 70 and a half. 
So that also will reduce your required minimum distribution. So you have to look and see what tax bracket you're in now, what tax bracket you're going to be in later on, and try to fill up these tax brackets. And it has gotten extremely complicated. We just bought a, a new program to help us with this to determine which account to take out, how much to take out. And we can actually show clients 20, 30 years, 40 years down the road, what their investment portfolio would be by doing these different strategies to determine which account to pull out on. Much more complicated, a lot more time that you need to spend on it. Nothing to do with picking a specific stock or mutual fund, but putting more money into your pocket. And when I mean, mean more money, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars that you can earn tax, you know, by minimizing these tax strategies, by using these tax strategies to minimize your taxes and to make, make your portfolio grow much more. The last strategy I'll talk about is really Roth, you know, Roth conversions. So again, if you're in a lower tax bracket now and a higher tax bracket later on, you can convert some of your tax deferred money from your qualified account and move that into a Roth account. Well, what do you do? Well, you, again, you're paying taxes up front, goes against everyone's thoughts, deferred taxes, deferred taxes, but take some out convert it into a Roth at a um, lower tax bracket, and then watch the Roth grow. And the great thing about the Roth is later on, when you pull money out of the Roth, you don't have to pay any taxes out of it. And one of the great things is, if this is a great investment to leave to your children or even your grandchildren, because guess what? When they inherit it, Yes, they do have to pay a small distribute, take out a small distribution every year, but they're able to stretch out this tax-free investment for years and years and years. So it's not only for your life that you can really help out, but it's really for your kids and your grandkids. Some of these Roth conversions can be the difference of millions of dollars, not hundreds of thousands of dollars, but millions of dollars when you look at it over the multi-generational planning. And the, the last strategy that I'll talk about is you know, a backdoor Roth. We spent a lot of time in episode 17 about the backdoor Roth. So if you wanna go you know, listen to more of that, please feel free to go and listen to episode 17. But this is a way of just converting some money that you can put in a tax, a non-deductible IRA, and then convert the non-deductible IRA into a Roth again. And as you're getting maybe from my you know, tone here that you know the Roths and being able to move money into the Roths is a great way to invest money. So in conclusion, you know, taxes matter, taxes matter, taxes matter. You need to look at what your taxes are when you're doing investing because the difference, like I said, could be hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of dollars over your lifetime. Thank you, Larry, for your thought leadership today. Great. Thank you, Matt. And this was episode number 20, Strategies to Minimize Income Taxes on Investments. For Larry Heller, this is Matt Haller. And if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please make sure you subscribe now by clicking the subscribe now button below. We will see you on the other side of the mic for episode number 21 very soon.